I don't know what's happening. As the boss of the podcast, I'm concerned that I don't know what's happening. I've only seen it on YouTube. I have so many questions. Do I need to move on? Think Please. So. <laughs> okay. okay. Does Eyes Wide Shut count as a Christmas movie? No. Okay, resetting. After giving away all of The Mandalorian, this is where we're going to draw the line on spoilers. Wilson! <laughs> we'll get that, it's fine. Yeah, I love that! How is that how you describe Osmosis Jones? You got it from Oysters? Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong, because y'all are idiots. Just to be clear, did you say Robert De Niro? Yes. I'm sorry, have you seen the movie? Have you not seen Godfather Part 2? Oh, no. As the boss of this podcast, I'm going to say that... The the listeners at home can't see the look of (laughs) the movie I have on my face right now. But I, I I want them to know that I am dumbfounded by that comment. This is not the podcast you deserve. Hi, and welcome to Not the Podcast You Deserve. I'm Drew Crawford, joined tonight by Drew Allen and Kyle Cox, and we are discussing Tenet. You went real, like, late night, like a jazz DJ on us. You're like, welcome to Not the Podcast You Deserve. If you'd like to call in, here's our number. <laughs> oh, I think I think it might just be the time of night. And just, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We normally record, you know, midday on Saturday, and this is, I don't know, what, a Wednesday at 1030? Who's to say? And, time is uh, relative. Time means nothing. <laughs> Time That's means what I've learned now. real quick. <laughs> uh, just a spoiler alert. If you've never seen Tenet, that's pretty much all we're going to be talking about tonight. So go ahead and do yourself a favor and rent that on iTunes or buy it, whatever you like to do, whatever your movie watching preference is. But you should get it and get it now because, wow, time waits for no man and especially not Christopher Nolan. No. He, in fact, he attacks it head on. I think he hates time. <laughs> yeah. I, this is, I've learned from this movie and our Christopher Nolan podcast that we previously did. I think he hates the, the thought of time and wants to destroy it. <sighs> yeah, what a movie. What a time. Thank you all for joining us and not the podcast you deserve. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Are you fired up? How do you spell fired up? F-U. <laughs> F-U, what's that spell? Fired up. Not that way either. <laughs> Um, no, but speaking of fired up, I was going to ask, what have you guys been watching recently? And I'm going to cut you to like 90 seconds, 120 seconds. We're racing against the clock here with Tenet. Uh, Are we? But fired up, I and watched, I don't know, maybe a week ago, three days ago. Like I, I had to watch it again. It's in my top 10. I absolutely love it. It holds up. I, I think I texted you guys about it. Mm-hmm. I would die on this hill. I love that movie. What forever. a great movie. Um. Other things I've been watching, Emily and I finished Band of Brothers. Her first time watching it uh, was really important. She kept putting it out for years. So I finally got her to do it. Uh, we watched Titans on HBO Max. Yeah, need to do the that. The Teen Titans thing. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a fun ride. Um, oh, so we started watching all of the old episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, wow. And oh my <laughs> gosh. What's the tall guy's name? Ryan something? Ryan Stiles. He's great. I have just been belly laughing from a place I have missed yeah. and didn't realize I did. Uh, if you have the time, whose line is it anyway is worth the watch. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Fired up. I'm fired, fired up. You're, you're fired up? Who's fired up? Let's hear some noise over here. Noise over here. Let's hear some noise over here. Drew Allen, what have you been watching? 
This, this, we've already front loaded our podcast with references that only a very specific audience is going to absolutely love, though. Only our <laughs> audience and the audience that we need. Um, my watch list uh, has consisted mostly of still the Clone Wars. I'm almost through it. Uh, it's great stuff. It's that, like I said, towards the end, it gets this really awesome Star Wars lore, which I'm all about. Uh, so that's super cool. Uh, and then. A, uh, a British comedy show, much like, uh, not anything like Whose Lines Anyway at all, but uh, other than it's a comedy show, Would I Lie to You has been super fun. It's a, uh, I've talked about my love of British comedy shows. I think they just do uh, like game shows better than we do it and would recommend you watching those. So I know what the name of the show is and I've also watched it, but the way that you just said it, it sounded like you were saying, it's a really fun show. Would I lie to you? Uh, <laughs> like you were asking the question of like, trust me, it, it's fine. Would I lie to you? The, but the name of the show is Would I Lie to You? Yes. Mm. There, there's two comedians and they have two partners of like just famous British people and they get cards and they have to read them off and they've never read them before. And they could be a true fact about themselves or a lie that's just made up by their writing team. And then the other team has to ask them questions to try to figure out is it a truth or is it a lie? And it's hilarious. Much like I enjoy it. whose line is it anyways, I think that they, it's a question for the title. And also, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they record like six hour sessions and boil it down to like the funniest 30 mm. minutes or whatever. So that's, it's really well paced, even though it's kind of sometimes hard to follow. Uh, but the other show that I, British show that I'm watching is The Goes Wrong Show. Have you heard about this? No. I had it, but Tiff had. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, group of writers wrote a play called the goes the play that goes wrong and it's a play where they purposely write in like set breaks and the crew that moves stuff onto the stage is always like just in frame for like a second like oh crap and they cut away mm -hmm. cut you know cover them up or whatever and so they made like a little six episode series that i'm in the middle of and i think it's really hilarious kind of mm -hmm. meta sounds fun yeah well last night i watched now, two movies oh i'm gonna do all that in reverse is that Cool. Are we good with that? <laughs> Very fitting. Thank you. Uh, you speaking backwards? Yeah. That was happening. Okay, yeah. good. A lot more f's backwards <laughs> than he said going forward. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Um, I I've watched two movies on Netflix this week. The first was Den of Thieves, which is a yeah. really good heist film with Gerard Butler, um, and it's it's kind of like Heat, but not like Heat. I would say it's worth the hour and 30 minutes that it takes to get through this film. Also the bad cop, the cop from orange is the new black uh, who like, you kind of like, like at the first and then he becomes a dick. I don't know if you're the, what the mustache. I haven't watched orange is the new black. You've never seen orange is the new black. Mm -hmm. hmm. You've never seen bad boys too. Okay. Well, den of thieves, pretty good, but I also watched peppermint last night and then I finished it this morning because I couldn't finish it. Have you guys seen peppermint with I've Jennifer Garner? Never even heard of it. Oh okay. wait, is this the one where she I barely like the, is flavor. the mom who comes back? Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a kick-ass assassin now. Yeah, yeah. So it's a movie on Netflix made for Netflix. I'm going to read you guys my writing of the, the plot of this movie. And I want you guys to, to stop me when you've heard of this plot before. Okay. The protagonist sees family gunned down in front of them, disappears off the grid, then trains, comes back to the town 
takes vengeance on families, killers, and corrupt politicians and cops, burr, and cleans burr, up the city burr. through mild, through a, a uh, extreme violence. Alex, I have the answer. What? <laughs> What is Batman? Dude, the story is Batman, but with Jennifer Garner. Uh, I'll take I'll take repeatable movie stories for five thousand. <laughs> it is. Uh, I we like as I was watching this movie, it was like, oh, her family died. That's so sad. And then like you know, cut smashed into her like training. It's like oh, like she's gonna get revenge. Cool. And then like the first people she kills, she like leaves like stringed up like over the bridge. And I was like. I've seen that exact shot before, actually, in a Nolan film, which I was like, this is just Batman, but with Jennifer Garner and no mask. So, uh, so there you go. So, yeah, those better are... Batman. Yeah, I would not say this is better than any of the Batman movies besides maybe the Tim Burton Batman movie. You uh, hold your tongue. So <laughs> you're walking on hallowed ground. I, uh, I will stand. Uh, I will stand there. That is that is where, where my flag is planted. That's I just have a soft spot for Jennifer Gardner. Uh, don't we all? Don't we all? So that is really, uh, I guess that's a pretty good segue in from a, a Batman reference to, which was uh, the last three were directed by Christopher. I guess not the last three, but the last three good ones were dressed, yeah. directed by Christopher Nolan. And and the newest one about to come out is Robert Pattinson. Is Robert Pattinson also right. in Tenet. And the story goes that he got this, he got the Batman gig while he was filming Tenet. Yep. And he, and he, he told Christopher Nolan, like, wow. yeah, I've got like a family emergency. I got to go you know, home for it. He's like, you're going to interview for Batman, aren't you? And, and Robert Pattinson's like, I totally am. And Christopher Nolan's like, yeah, it's, that'll be a good gig. You should get that. So, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Tried to bail out with family emergency. They were like, apparently like the, uh, the, the casting for the new Batman movies be like super secretive. Like they were like, nobody can know you're going for Batman. So when Christopher Nolan was like, you're going for Batman, aren't you? Robert Pattinson's like, son of a gun. Like, how did you know? Well, I... I bet at this point, Christopher Nolan's kind of like the godfather of Batman. I bet they asked him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Oh, or, wow. or maybe he had input and was like, hey, you guys should ask Robert Pattinson to do it. Yeah, I don't know. There's no way of knowing. I like to believe that's true. I'd like to believe that Christopher <laughs> Nolan has a hand in every movie being made. I like to believe that Christopher Nolan is going backwards in time, fixing <laughs> movies that he thinks need to be fixed. <laughs> and the new Batman movie is one, it's of, one of them. Yeah, up. we're going to get a Christopher Nolan inverted batman it's gonna be amazing i'm fired up for it i can't wait yeah uh so my my question to you guys is how many times as of right now 10 40 on december 30th have you seen tenant i've seen it one you've only seen it once okay i've seen it twice now I've, i've seen it four times okay and the first three times that i saw this movie i went out into the theater and watched it in the theater during quarantine because that's what Christopher Nolan wanted us to do. In a time when everybody was pushing their release dates back and back and back, like Black Widow was supposed to come out before this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Black Widow's ever being released now. Like maybe next summer, nobody knows. Um, I was actually just looking at the numbers and like uh, the budget, the estimated budget for this movie was over $200 million. Uh, and then the like gross. The the gross domestic gross right now is fifty seven million. Mm. Opening uh, weekend was twenty nine point eight million, but the worldwide gross is a little over three hundred sixty million. So, okay, it's made money. But the fact that it was scheduled to come out during quarantine, and everybody was like, "Oh, everything shut down." Christian Nolan was like, "No, my film will come out in theaters. People will still see it." And granted, not as many people saw it as normally would have, but still, people went out to see it. It's pretty cool. 
Um, I don't think it was as much of that, like of an ego thing as much as he was like, I shot this movie to be seen on a big screen. And yeah. I think the studio probably were, was banking on the name brand Christopher Nolan bringing yeah. people out more than he was demanding. Well, they and, put it and like what you've seen recently from Nolan is when Warner Brothers put everything that they've done, like Wonder Woman, uh, I'm sure things other than Wonder Woman, that's just the only one I cared about. Um, they put it all directly on HBO Max. So basically what Wonder Warner Brothers has said, like, go see movies in theaters. Maybe you never have to do it again. We're going to release everything directly to HBO Max. And Nolan went out and he was like, this is not what these actors or directors signed up for. Like, this is wrong. This is not the future of movie making. Mm-hmm. And he got a lot of backlash for that. But I think he's absolutely right because um, he doesn't see it as just standing up for his film Tenet. He sees himself standing up for like the future of movies because you know if this thing goes through and and you know wonder woman does fine and all that sort of stuff and warner brothers just keeps releasing stuff straight to streaming devices then movie theaters will go away and we'll lose that 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 thing that's been around for i don't know i have no idea how long as long as essentially american culture has been around of families coming together and and having a communal experience at a movie theater like that's all going to go away if people start following warner brothers lead um and so i think it's he got he got he got a pretty bad end of the shtick there for a little bit until other directors kind of started coming to his aid and being like, no, like he's right. Like we need to protect the, the movie going experience. Cause you know, Drew and I just finished watching Tenet in his living room, which was a fine experience. It's a great, it's a good movie. Enjoyed it. Drew's got a really nice living room. Say my living room the is, fancy couch yeah, was on, really nice. The nice TV, nice surround sound deal, but it is nothing compared to seeing a movie in theaters and, and there's just no replacing it. Um, so I would, I would hate to see movies go straight to the streaming stuff. I do not like that. I, I want to keep the movie theater experience alive. And that's what Christopher Nolan is doing, which I really like. Yeah. On that same note, uh, I watched Wonder Woman the day it came out, you know, streamed it from my TV and overall, I mean, it's not the Wonder Woman podcast overall. I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. There were some things that probably would have changed about it, whatever, but I watched it. And at the end of it, I just said, that was pretty good and convenient. And I've never said that about a movie before of like, oh, it was convenient. I realized that I kind of hold movie theaters and the movie going process in a sacred kind of light. Yeah. Um, You know, much to what you were saying of, hey, you get the family together. Oh, you go on a date. Like you, Mm -hmm. you get the friends together. You all join in a common cause and you go into a thing. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I hate it when someone like heckles or talks in a movie. Oh, yeah. Bothers me to no end. But if I'm watching something in my living room, I really have less of a problem with mm-hmm. talking or pausing mm-hmm. and talking about it, you know, like, yeah, kind of breaking that the magic for a second, like suspending it. I mean, I did that mm-hmm. tonight. I know it was multiple viewings for us. So mm-hmm. I felt less bad about it. But um, if anybody were to talk in a movie theater, I would be irate i probably wouldn't say anything to them because then i'd be breaking my own rule right. but like i i would all draft who house, do you raise think a you car are? <laughs> yeah. and I, yeah, would, yeah. I would try to get a manager to come stand next to this person yeah. that's what think, so that's i guess that's kind of the background for tenant what was that drew i was gonna say i think part of this you know we're 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 probably preaching a little bit to the choir since if you're if you're listening to a movie podcast you've probably invested some sort of your life into cinema and so i'm sure everybody listening agrees that the movie theaters is like a big part of the experience it's kind of like you were setting aside time money yeah. a day um to go and 
put two, three hours into watching a, a movie the way it was meant to be filmed. And that's really yeah. um, something nobody wants to lose, but, but. Which I think throughout quarantine, like if you were to say like one industry has gotten the, like the public, like doesn't matter what, like where you live. If there's one industry that's gotten the public through, like the people through quarantine, it's either been fast food or it's been the movie industry, you know, like it's either been Netflix or it's been the fact that Whataburger delivers now, you know? So I think the fact that huge, that Tim, that Christopher Nolan went out on a limb. Um, he went out on a limb on a lot of different ways in this movie. I'm sure we'll hit a lot of those. Um, but he went out of his way out on a limb to release this movie still in theaters to refuse to push it back multiple times. And then to just make a really, really goddamn good movie, which uh, maybe that's a great segue. Who knows? Yeah. Let's talk so, about it. So, so there's our diatribe for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you love movies, support movies, uh, obviously do it safely in a way that makes you feel comfortable. But when you can go back to the movie theater, see movies, support your studios, don't let the movie experience die. Um, and I don't know. I want to say that's all we'll talk about it, but we might talk about it more. Who knows? But for now. <laughs> so similarly to how I described the op- like the, the plot line of Peppermint earlier, I'd like to just describe <laughs> to you guys the, the opening scene of Tenet and stop me when you've seen this scene before. Okay, there's, it's a heist scene, people in masks, uh, extremely hard to understand dialogue, and you don't really understand what's happening. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Also, movie directed by Christopher Nolan. I was going to say, is it when the Dark Jokers... Knight? I was going with Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. If you guys remember, in Dark Knight Rises, it opens up with that plane flight with Bane is got a bag over his head, and you're like, who are these people? Who's the bad guy? That guy's obviously bad. He's got a bag over his head. Don't know what's going on. And then they rip the bag off, and it's Bane. And then you can't understand a single word Bane is saying. And then all of a sudden, he kills everybody or something. And you're like, what <laughs> is happening? Like, you, I still yeah, yeah. don't really think I understand that scene. And I could be, I don't know, banking on my love of the fact that Christopher Nolan reuses actors. Mm-hmm. But isn't the guy in the plane the same guy who wakes the protagonist up no it's sure not on on the boat and he's like you're dead now oh is that not him in the plane with i Bane? i'd like to that i don't Bane think so kills i don't i don't think so but i'd like to go back and find Some, cool. someone find that out for me so it's like like tenet cool. starts off in like the first 10 minutes it's a high scene where they're breaking into an opera and they're getting this guy out and he's got this silver thing and you don't know what it is and but everybody mm-hmm. wants it and then mm-hmm. like everybody gets shot they and then you're like magic gas that puts everybody to sleep sleep like, yeah like machine guns going off and you're like no nah, <laughs> still asleep. immediately yeah and that's like like the whole like first 10 minutes of the movie you're just like man i'm not really sure what's going on but like i understand that uh that this washington guy who does not get a name his name is protagonist yeah on his imdb credits yeah. and in the, credits of the, movie. the protagonist. I, I wanted I wanted to talk, I mean, I was going to bring that up way later, but mm-hmm. we'll bring it up now and I still want to talk about it. What do we think about movies that do that, that don't give the main character a name? Is that like a way that directors help put the per- like us as a viewer into the movie by not giving them a name that help us? Or is that just anonymity? I have a different theory about this movie, um, but I, because like also if you think of like Fight Club, um, I believe mm-hmm. Edward Norton's character yeah, is just narrator. Say, can, can I go first? Though? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because mm-hmm. my thing is like, not necessarily about is it a good thing or a bad thing that he doesn't have a name. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched it going, 
three quarters almost to the end of the movie going <laughs> what is this guy's name wait what's his name <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah i i hadn't asked myself yeah. the question yet i just assumed that they had said it at some point right. and i had forgotten and it was something like john or i don't know i mean his name actually is two first names john david, john david mm-hmm. so it's like i don't know I, I i guess i surplanted like one of those in it and uh I think that's a mark of really good storytelling when you're not dependent on, oh, who is this person and what is he doing? Right. You're just so encapsulated mm-hmm. by what the story is doing that you get to the end of the movie and you go, yeah, it's about a guy uh, <laughs> named, well, actually, I don't, I don't know his name. It's a guy named. And is thing. that important? His name's super not important. Yeah, At no point matter. do you need to know his name. I ask because it, it upsets me to in this very scenario trying to explain the movie to somebody mm-hmm. and you, you don't have a name for the protagonist. You just call him the protagonist. I feel like a posh jerk, just the protagonist goes mm, to the so story. But I mean, Fight Club's the other, the first one that jumped to your mm-hmm. head uh, as the other big case. I think Daniel Craig doesn't have one in Layer Cake. I, I tried to look up a couple, but okay. I, I get upset because it takes me out because I don't, I don't. I don't feel like I watch movies to put myself in this world. I want to watch these characters and see a really cool guy. And the fact that he doesn't have a name, he obviously has a name, we just don't get to know it, um, upsets me personally. But a lot of great directors and great movies use this, and I don't know why. Yeah. And so, my, so like while we were watching this movie, Drew like repeatedly paused the movie and was like, okay, so like here, you know, what do you think this means and all this stuff? And like, I was like, dude, you're thinking too much into this movie. And then he like did that multiple times. I was like, bro, like you, you kind of missed the point, I think. Um, even though we did talk about how like it could have possibly happened in this world where there, all about how. there are things moving forward and backwards in time. And I really think that so just just a little bit later on into this movie um, when he's, you know, been, he died and he came back to life or whatever. And, and they've told him, you know, about Tenet and he goes to the British lady in the lab and she like shows him the inverted um, bullets and all that stuff. And, and he, and he's like, how does this work? And she says, don't try to understand it. Just (laughs) feel it. Um, And I think this works in two ways. One, this is telling, you know, obviously telling protagonists like, hey, like, you're never gonna really understand this. So just like go with it. But I think this is too like Christopher Nolan being like, hey, guys, just enjoy this movie. Like, feel what this character is feeling because it's all pretty much shot from like first point person point of view Mm -hmm. um you very rarely see anything outside of different perspectives so of that one person right so you're gonna see yeah yeah, yeah, of different times of of different points in times and you will sometimes see it through um the female leads perspective which i can't remember her name um but she's super tall um so i think that's (laughs) Uh, kind of like elizabeth debecky Oh, you talk about yeah. that. In the, in the movie, her name yeah. is Kat. Yeah. And so, like, I think that line serves a couple purposes um, to where, he, where Christopher Nolan's basically telling you, like, hey, like, don't try to understand this movie. Just feel it through our character's perspective. Because he's known for shooting stuff in, in first-person POV. Um, and this movie, you get mainly that. I think this movie, though, is the most straightforward of Christopher Nolan's. Um, whereas, like, you kind of you still don't know what's going on half the time, but it's still the most straightforward. Um, Cause I think this movie is Christopher Nolan doing something he's never done before. I think this is a movie that he made in a very pretentious way, solely to be pretentious. Like you talk about how like that big, the big scene where the plane crashes into the, the building, like they actually bought a real plane. They actually bought that real building. They actually blew it up. Like mm-hmm. since star Wars time and probably before that, 
they've been taking miniaturized versions of stuff and filming it and then you know making the millennium falcon was really like four inches long in the in, in a new hope you know yeah, it's not yeah, about yeah. the size of the ship man it's how you use it in space okay mm. there, there you go <laughs> use it in space um and then like they're talking about drew's talking about he read their, <laughs> he he watched the behind the scenes making how they they learned how to fight in in like backwards time and they like were running like backwards most of the time when it was filmed that way i heard they learned to say their lines backwards too which i have to believe is not necessary exactly that's my point so if you if you buy the movie on dvd which i strongly recommend i think everybody should own dvds forever anyway (laughs) that's a tangent um but (laughs) If you buy it on DVD, you get like a special features disc. Watch that immediately. Watch it as soon as the movie. Was the movie? I, oh, okay. I did that uh, the first day I got it, and holy crap, it's so good. I geeked out about all the little things, but yeah, they literally learned how to fight backwards, like throw a punch backwards, how to like <laughs> move in reverse. They learned how to run backwards in a way that looked natural so that they could run backwards while other things were happening forward. Okay. And then they could yeah. shoot the movie. Like they could reverse the film One, so ten. that it looked like they were running forward and yeah. the water was going backwards into the hose kind of thing. And, and that okay. is, I so, love that. They, they would switch the drivetrain on cars <laughs> so that the car could drive in reverse forward. Are you tracking with wow. what I'm saying? I yeah. love what's yeah. happening. We're, everyone's aware of that. Okay. We're all keenly aware of that. The two things I wanted to bring up. One to address Kyle's thing, which the only thing I'll say against your theory is I, and I read online and I don't know if it's true or not, but they had actually started making miniatures for that airplane scene mm-hmm. and then realized it was going to be cheaper to just go ahead and buy for that as well. An, yeah. An airplane that, so but, Isn't that wild to think that buying <laughs> and exploding a real airplane is cheaper than doing a CGI or a miniature version a miniature, of an airplane? Yeah. Yeah. It looks way better. There's yeah. that is that is that. for sure some guy cooking the books for Christopher <laughs> Nolan. So Christopher <laughs> Nolan could go into the studio and go, I need to buy an airplane. <laughs> and I really need and they're to like, buy this no, airplane. you don't. He's like, look, it's cheaper. <laughs> I, I can prove it. The the second thing I want to talk about is just the CGI. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain it well enough but i was watching this movie trying to figure out how they do explosions in reverse while people are running forward while cars mm-hmm. are driving and you know because a lot of times in this movie there's two different timelines going on the same, you know spoiler alert there are this two different timelines going alert. on yeah, yeah yeah you're right spoiler alert tenant is the same way spelled backwards in that cr- anywho uh Ten. <laughs> in the pod roll credits um but <laughs> CGI, it's really hard. Like the the easy way to do it is you film like a steady cam, and you film you know on one side of the screen something happening, and then the other thing you want you film it another way, and then you just crop it on top of mm-hmm. each other. But there are a lot of times like where reverse explosions were happening with things going the other way, and so if you ever have things interact with each other in like two different timelines, it's incredibly difficult to do. Like if you ever watch Parent Trap or Princess Switch, you'll never see the you'll rarely <laughs> ever see that same actress interacting with each other. They yeah. they really in the Princess Switch, they actually have one well, scene set up of them interacting and it's a really weird frame, but it's to show how that that director's like, Yeah, I'm gonna freaking do it. I'm gonna set it up and have these characters the same actress 
shake her own hand. It's so difficult to do yeah. um, that you'll almost always just have the actress film her lines over a stunt double's shoulder and then flip a reverse shot of the same thing, just her in different clothes. Right. But this movie, they do it all the time where an explosion is going backwards to a person running into it. And I'm like, how in the world? It broke my brain all the time. Right. And that's, and that's, so like, that's the one, the one I read that as well, that Christopher Nolan was like, well, it's cheaper for us to blow up an actual plane than to whatever. And I was like, okay, I get that. But there's no way you can tell me that with the salary that I'm sure Robert Pattinson demanded on this movie, that it was, it was financially or even artistically like, like viable that we should waste their time teaching him how to run backwards. <laughs> like we have the technology to film a scene going in real time and then just play it backwards. Like we, that's alive. So my whole point with that is I think that Christopher Nolan has made some very pretentious films before, but none of them have been like in your face. This is just to be pretentious. This movie is in my opinion, Christopher Nolan being like, I think with the new bond movie being up, uh, Daniel Craig's explicitly said many times, like, I don't want to do bond anymore. Like yeah. this is, this is the last one I don't want to do anymore. And everybody's like, who should be the next bond guy? Who should be I think Christopher Nolan wanted to make a spy flick but keep his his time is weird gimmick and be like you guys want a new bond director to helm the next 15 bond movies here's a spy movie better than any spy movie you've ever seen plus i'm gonna be as i'm gonna be as posh and british about this as i can be i'm gonna make this like exponentially harder to film than it should be i'm gonna spend way more time doing stuff than i should like i I just think that this was him being like i want to film the next bond movie here's the best spy movie Mm -hmm. that you've ever seen that's a hot sports opinion that's why you come to the pod welcome to not the podcast you deserve boom you come here for opinions like that uh i am here for it by the way that kind of uh conspiracy theory level of this is why I made a $200 million movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for it. Yes. Um, I truly believe just that at some level, he hates the concept of time and that he has been systematically working his way up through popularity to where he can attack it head on. And that's the thing. Because it started, and I'm going to do the quick recap. Started with, I don't count the following. Uh, The following is great though. Yeah, sure. But I don't know how it affects time. But It's all, have you never seen the following? No, I haven't. Dude, you can't say something like that. The Don't stop is, me. I was about to get on The following roll. is all about weird timelines. Great. So then... <laughs> so we concluding the following. Sure, including the following. It's also <laughs> in the Have you not the seen thing. The Godfather Part 2? <laughs> all right. Oh Listen. At least, at least when I did watch something, I knew who was in it. Um, but then it starts with Memento and him asking the question... How does time affect you if you don't remember all of it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then he moves into other movies, and we get—I'm going to mess up the timeline again. You sure are, but who cares? It's Christopher Nolan. He hates time, <laughs> right? Uh, you get movies like The Prestige, where he asks, "Hey, what happens if you only know part of what's happening in time, mm-hmm. and what happens if you try to control time?" Mm-hmm. Uh, you get movies like I don't know if Batman really falls into this and that's what we were talking about earlier about how even the Batman movies are that's his most like linear movies but you still get flashbacks mm-hmm. at different points in time of the movie that are that are non-linear but they help you explain why Bruce Wayne is the way he is yeah. so you still kind of get that non-linear storytelling fashion that way and then you get Inception which is like what if we slow time down mm-hmm. to like it's 
slowest possible thing. What does that do to you as a person? How does yeah. that affect you? Then you get Dunkirk, which is a movie. It's a historical movie, but all about the race against time. Yeah. Right. And he's even got the clicking talk. That's another one that's even kind of pretentious just to be pretentious. Like there was no reason for that to be told in three different stories. It's a timelines. very British movie. And yeah. yeah, him being like, listen, I'm not my brother, Jonathan. All right. Yeah. Um, it's from like, Interstellar, which is all about space and time. Yeah. Which Interstellar is about like, what if you are so fast that you people like time goes on without you? Mm-hmm. Right. How does that affect you as a person? And then this movie yeah. is like, hey, <laughs> What if you could split time? What if you could use time to mm. attack, I don't know, time? <laughs> and other people <laughs> going through time and not going through time? Okay. I think this movie is the- literally about like, what if time was trying to kill you? What if someone in the future is trying to kill you? I don't know if I agree with either of you. I think that this Christopher Nolan taking on a new challenge, which he's done linear timelines just broken up and shown out mm-hmm. of order which i haven't seen the following either but i know memento it's backwards you know we just go from the front and we go backwards Wait, and then that's you may not have what happens gone in through memento. this well i mean it's scene for scene you back up uh uh scene at a time sometimes you're going forward. sometimes yeah, you're going I, backwards I, I have you seen memento each scene goes <laughs> have you seen the godfather part too <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, but I'll get I'll get to uh, the tenant, which is what we're talking about today. It, he's making a story that is going both forwards and backwards along the same timeline, and you're watching both of them at the same time. So he's not breaking up one story, and you're watching the end, and then the beginning, and then the middle, and then an earlier middle, and then the end again. Like, you're watching it start to finish. But yeah. at certain points, the story goes back on itself, but he still has to film it at the same time. It's a temporal pincer movement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but Which also brings up, that. I'm sorry, another side tangent. <laughs> they found one military term <laughs> and applied it to time so that they could <laughs> sound smart. Yeah. But that's all anybody ever does with this. You hear it like 16 times, like, oh, this is one of the standard things. You know, we're going to do a temporal uh-huh. pencil movement. But like, there's no other thing that anybody tries to do. It wouldn't have been. No one tries to do a temporal flank one or anything maneuver. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one, just one other one. Yeah. You're throwing um, another maneuver. But uh, we're going to do a temporal banana in the tailpipe. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, they're never going to see it coming. He's not breaking it up, he's just filming it straight but he's writing a story that goes back on itself and then picks mm-hmm. up where it is. And so the fact, it's kind of like that CGI thing where you have, you film two different things and then if they ever interact, it becomes exponentially more complex to write a story that makes sense. And I'm going to be the first one to say it. I don't think this movie makes sense unless you don't know anything about it going into it and then watch it and then like afterwards, if you try to break down anything, I think it kind of falls apart. It can fall apart pretty easily, but it makes enough sense that while you're watching it, your brain goes like, what? That's awesome and incredible. And I don't really want to question it. And it makes enough sense to where it is a great movie watching experience. But that fact that they interlap and interact is so complex that I think this is incredible. 
I would like to point out two things. One, you've done the hand signal, the gesture of tenant, which the guy does in the boat that one time. You've done that three times since you started talking, which <laughs> I think is an inception of Christopher Nolan into it's your a brain. Signal. Um, and secondly, what you kind of just described too was what the British lady said in the lab, which is also, I think, what Christopher Nolan is telling you as a, as a viewer. Don't try to understand it. Just feel it. <laughs> you yeah. know? Also, it, this is one of my favorite things he does in the movie, which is every time someone starts to ask a question, which is normally the protagonist has mm-hmm. a question about time, somebody has an answer for him and then a weird analogy and then immediately goes, don't ask any more questions. Yeah, just don't. Uh, <laughs> like, like she does that where she's like, oh, you know, you had to drop it. It wasn't going to pick up, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. She shows it to him on the camera and then she goes, but don't, don't try to understand it. They get on the boat, the reverse boat with Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. And the reverse boat. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, propose that we change our name of the podcast to the reverse, <laughs> the boat. reverse boat podcast, <laughs> uh, but they get on the reverse boat and he's asking Robert Pattinson, like, wait, I've thought of something else. Why is the future trying to kill us? And what, won't that end him? Over the grandfather paradox. Yeah, and and yeah. he goes, it's the grandfather paradox. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to know what that means, but we as viewers go, that's an obvious answer. Of course, I accept that. <laughs> and he goes, "Is a grandfather po- paradox. Like if you kill your grandfather, how are you alive to do it? Uh, go to sleep. And then he just like lays face down in the mattress <laughs> like a normal person. That's true. Uh, but like every time someone asks a difficult question, he gives an immediate and kind of funny example. Right. And then goes, stop asking move along and i think that what this movie gets away with which is also what avengers endgame got away with was that nobody actually knows how time travel works so like you shouldn't as a viewer waste too much time on well if this happened now in the past what happens if you're entertaining enough we don't really care right right Right? which is my point he makes a story that's so complex and fun to watch you don't care that it kind of doesn't make sense if you were really to zoom in on it i will say though he does enough to let you like skate by on it. But also if you really want to dig down into it, I think he did a detailed enough job Yeah. that it, I don't, I think it all makes sense if you dig deep enough, because he has uh, been obsessing over this for a really long time. I, I have to admit that like, I, I have to believe that it makes sense to an extent, but like, I think we've, we're all kind of going around in circles, maybe going back in on ourselves. What are we in the blue <laughs> timeline right now? But that it's interesting. No, I'm the red team. Make oh God! Or does it? <laughs> oh no! Um, I'm getting lost in it. Let's let's talk more tenant. So uh, when he goes, when when he walks in to meet the British intelligence officer, that's going to hook him up with the arms dealer, Michael Caine. It's Sir Michael Caine. And, and he says, I'm here to meet Michael Crosby. And the uh, and the dude at the front goes, you mean Sir Michael Crosby? And I was like, that's a nice tip of the hat to Michael Caine. Like, it had to be. I presume you mean Sir Michael Crosby. And he's yeah. like, sure, presume away. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, and I guess in that scene, too, is kind of like the first time that I noticed that, like, the uh, the costumes in this movie, the costume department, uh, just the suits in general, just unbelievable. Uh, the amount right. of time that had to go into making because those are all they all have to be handmade specifically for mm. each actor like each of those has to be mm. um and they, they hired a different like person to make the wardrobe for each actor to make because they yeah. he knew that they would make the wardrobe differently like, the suits differently yeah so that each character had a different character even in their wardrobe 
There you go. See, see, I knew, I knew there was something there behind that. Um, it's <laughs> so like that, that is, that's the scene where I was like, wow. And then kind of the rest of the movie, I paid attention to that. Just how everybody was wearing just like the nicest suit I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, they were wearing a nicer suit than that one. Um, which is another Christopher Nolan thing is his protagonist always wears a really nice suit. Um, one of the things Christopher Nolan does in all of his movies, which happened a lot in this movie that I hate is I'm going to have my characters kind of mumble their lines mm-hmm. and then you're not going to hear it. And you're just going to assume, you knew what they said. Yeah. You're going to move on. Yeah. But like when you watch it the second or third time and you really like strain your ears to listen and try to make out what those words are, they matter and they're impactful. Well, yeah. And that's, I think goes back to Christopher Nolan and the dark Knight returns with Bane. And even in Dunkirk, when there was planes, you couldn't hear a lot of the audio. His whole thing is like dialogue is not the only way to get across a point. Um, yeah. And so I think that you definitely that in the first 10, 15 minutes of Tenet, when you have no idea what's going on, everybody's talking through a mask. Like you can barely hear. Some of like, them are the talking words. in Russian. Some of them are talking in Russian with no subtitles. Like I think that kind of goes back to that. Um, and then I think my favorite kill of the movie was when they were in the restaurant and he gets taken to the kitchen to be killed. And then he, he takes a cheese grater and hits the dude over the head with a oh. cheese grater like eight times. I was and, like, then, yes. and then he rubs his face on it yes, yes. as he's leaving. Just a little. I think that was the coolest, like that was the coolest like action scene of the movie. And then uh, in the, like, I was talking to Crawford about this. I've, I've said this many times, I think in the podcast, but like Christopher Nolan's circle shots are so great. And I was reminded that again, watching this movie, um, very tastefully done. And then his establishing shots are so beautiful. And um, you're saying something about how like, this was the first movie Mumbai's ever let take an, an aerial yeah. shot of the city. Uh, and he uses like three different establishing shots in the city, which makes sense if no one's ever been allowed to do it before. So. Yeah, so again, special effects or the you know the special features DVD, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you anything new, but the one of the things they talk about on there is that they do a lot of pre-scouting before the movie, yeah. and he just really wanted this to be a movie of the world, yeah. kind of that playing into your theory a little bit, pretentious British oh, aspect of like yeah. I want to go places because I can. Um so like he actually took a thirty million dollar yacht to vietnam he wow. actually you know went to mumbai he uh got some city in ukraine or eastern europe to rent out their highway to him for like three weeks to and shoot like, the backwards yeah, car chasing and, like, yeah. shut down their highway so that he could give them like a million dollars and be like thanks for your highway <laughs> um, it's, it's like you know similar to the would it be easier to build a highway or to buy a highway right uh buy it uh, we can do both yeah and so and, and yes, the Mumbai thing, uh, I think it was Mumbai, at least that's where the shot was supposed to be. Um, whatever this city was in India, they let them rent and film an airspace that they've never let people do before. Yeah. And take overhead and aerial shots of Mumbai. And that was really cool that they let them do that. I don't know how much money they paid them, but yeah. I'm sure it was a lot. Well, and that, so that was so... And then I guess the second one I had too is like we talked about my favorite death scene, which I want to ask you guys which y'all's favorite kill scene was. And then also my favorite like comedic moment of the movie. I think Robert Pattinson has a bunch of pretty good one-liners. So does John David Washington mm-hmm. um, have a couple good one-liners. And then like Michael Caine, I think also has a pretty great <laughs> scene too. Yeah. Um, but my favorite shot of, of comedy in this movie that is so confusing and it's just filled of action and adventure is when they're on the plane that's about to crash with the gold and the guy the henchman or whatever who's like trying to crash the plane like 
very politely steals one brick of gold and puts it in his like vest pocket yeah. and it's just like nobody's gonna know i think that was like a really great like com- like that was comedic gold from christopher nolan being like it's a super intense moment like there's so much going on you still really don't have a single clue what's happening and this guy's just stealing a bar of gold for himself yeah. and he's gonna run away into the right away to the sunset he's about to throw a grenade and he's like mm, <laughs> yeah he's, he's got a grenade in his <laughs> So I think that was that's my favorite comedic moment, and then the death by cheese grater I think was my favorite kill. Did you guys have a favorite comedic or uh, kill shot moment? Um, I think one of my favorite comedic moments is two things that happen back to back with Robert Pattinson when they're in the um, what's it called the Freeport, mm-hmm. and the gas is filling the room, and it's yeah. you know about to kill everybody, and he looks at the attendant who's serving them and goes. You said 10 seconds, right? You said 10 seconds for real like, oh, shit, And like yeah. tries to run out. Yeah. Um, that's a funny line that he delivers there. And right. then the moment, you know, a few seconds later when they're picking the lock in the door and John David Washington's pick lock breaks. Yeah. yeah. And Robert Pattinson freaks out and, that's and a, starts like running around the room like, and, oh God, let me out. And like, that's another really good moment that Christopher Nolan chooses not to use dialogue to convey a point. He makes Robert Pattinson show it all in his eyes of like the sheer, like, oh no, panic because yeah. they were holding their breath. But like, it's he's not afraid to make his actors like convey a message without telling it. Like, yeah. show me, don't tell me. It would have been way over the head to be like, ah, our only lockpick just broke. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Cut to John David Watson. Like, yeah, it was our only lockpick. <laughs> Drew, what about uh, you? Uh, favorite comedic moment is that guy, the protagonist comes out of, like in the same scene when they're in the free port and they come into the, the uh, machine and the guy jumps out backwards and it's just like, what's mm-hmm. going on? And he has yeah. to fight a guy in reverse. I thought was hilarious and awesome and really kind of terrifying. And I thought was really cool is that he was a great fighter when he popped out and then John David Washington started win the protagonist started winning the fight. And it felt like, you know, natural hero's journey of he gets better at fighting this guy and backwards as he goes, he's learning how to fight this guy in reverse. But we learn in the when he's going back in time and he yeah. is the guy going backwards which is why it's really hard to do a podcast on this movie because it's the same guy at two different times of story going two different ways, but he's learning how to fight backwards. So it's not our protagonist is learning how to fight better. It's our protagonist is learning how to fight better (laughs) just as the bad guy the first time we learn it. Right. So he gets better as he goes. And so that was a really cool, beautiful, complex interaction. Um, And it was funny just to watch it the first time through. And yeah. then I don't have a, a favorite kill, but it reminds me because I've only seen this movie once. When Robert Pattinson, at, at one point at the ending scene, when there they're two teams going at one time, one person goes into the machine and doesn't see somebody coming out. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain that to me a little bit more? Because when that happened, I was like, oh no, someone's not coming out. So supposedly before you go through the machine, you're supposed to look through the mirror and make sure you see yourself going in the other side. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't, that means something really bad happens to you. If you go through the machine, that means you're not coming back essentially. Don't go in there. If I understand it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And at one point, Robert, and like that's the cue that Robert Pattinson is not going to make it out. But do you know that it's Robert Pattinson going in? Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if you, I don't think you know that until they're at the um, helicopter in the last scene. And then you see the little red 
uh, string with the little pendant Washer. thing on it. Yeah. Which is the same thing that you see of the dead body in front of him um, when he's having his last standoff, which is the same thing that you see in the first scene of the movie of the guy who saves his mm-hmm. life. So I think that's yeah. supposed to be like the big, like that's supposed to be the big emotional moment for you when you realize Robert Pattinson's been looking out for him the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he yeah. didn't know it. So that's, I need someone way smarter than me and who's way better with graphs to show me a map of all the places where Robert Pattinson is on the 14th, <laughs> because he is in multiple places in that Russian city. Mm-hmm. And he's also in this like symphony opera place. He's everywhere. Yeah. And I need to know where he is. One of my favorite deaths and kills in the mm-hmm. movie is actually when um, Kat kills the main yeah. bad guy, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. And I forget his name, but um, no, when he, when she kills him and then slides him off the boat and then the music stops for a hot second and you just hear his neck neck breaking. I was like, Oh, took me out of the movie. Took me out of the movie for a hot second and just reminded me that like, that sucks. Yeah. RIP that guy. Yeah. (laughs) What were you about to say about Kenneth Branagh, Drew? Uh, he crushes it as a Russian. He's great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh! So I, I, it took me a couple scenes to be like, "Is that that is that Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter?" And it was. <laughs> it was that. It was. It was him. But he does a great job speaking a Russian accent, and then learns how to do that backwards. Yeah. Um, for no reason. Yeah, he wrote out <laughs> like how to, to do for no reason. his lines in Russian in reverse he wrote it out on a big cue card that he had like in front of the wall so that during that interrogation scene continue please he make him stop backwards. talking about and this. that is so awesome <laughs> that's that is how you get the sir <laughs> and then can we talk about how many pull-ups david washington or uh john david washington does in this movie and can we talk about how it never once comes up that he needs to do a pull-up? <laughs> Which, you know, I think actually Drew Crawford brought up a pretty good point where like, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, he's put in the, like the base and like the bottom of this, like, I don't ocean know, windmill, this ocean windmill for like, and you don't really know why yeah. he's in there for, you don't know how long, but it shows him doing pull-ups to being like, okay, the so some, of some amount of time is passing here. And then later on in the movie, when he's at that same ocean, essentially, but going backwards in time, you see him again doing pull-ups, but now on going backwards boat. on the reverse boat. So I think that was just Christopher Nolan's way of saying like, Hey, this is the same part. Like this is, he's now in the same time. Like, he was doing pull-ups now in the forward movement of time. He's now in the same point of time going backwards, but he's also doing pull-ups again. Mm-hmm. Ah, I think that was like a trying to like tie that, you back into like, this is this, he's still in the ocean. He's still doing pull-ups. He just happens to be going different ways of time, different, different uh, directions in time. Um, I think there's a whole thing with sleep as well in that movie. And that kind of feeds off of that scene. Um, okay. He doesn't ever like wake up from sleep and is like, Hmm what's going on yeah he wakes up from sleep and is either surrounded by people who are already awake and are waiting to tell him new information Mm -hmm. like hey you died uh but don't worry we fixed your mouth right which by the way that's a horrific detail yeah by the way that is just casually thrown in there that they pulled his teeth out and they're like but you passed the test so we built you a new mouth um (laughs) that's just a thing um but like every time he wakes up you know yeah that's the least they could have done for him give him a new set of of dentures (laughs) 
after they got all <laughs> but like every time out. he wakes up in the ocean windmill mm-hmm. he you know startles awake he's grabbing his gun he's doing and whatever the movie starts off with him being asleep and saying wake up the americans and he's asleep so yeah there probably is something deeper to that I and then when he's on it. the reverse boat and yeah. robert pattinson tells him to go to sleep yeah he startles awake but he's never actually laying down yeah he's like kind of up the whole time he's like <gasps> And then everybody else is awake and being like, hey, we're ready to talk to you about the battle. Well, if you know what the deeper meaning of sleep is in Tenet, please email us at ntpodpodcast at gmail.com. The next thing I really want to talk about, which you guys may not care about, I'm kind of a music nerd as well. So in this movie, at least twice, and I think three times, they they do something really cool with the soundtrack with the with the with the music behind where it becomes a syncopated rhythm. Um, syncopated rhythm is when like the beat happens at a time that you're not expecting. Um, Thank you for explaining that to all of our listeners who didn't know that and. Because you obviously knew it, syncopated rhythm. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, it's in, it's in both, it's in the fight scene of him in the, um, in the kitchen, where the like punching, like him punching the bad guys, is like the beat. But then right after that happens, the beat to the music happens. So like him punching the person is like really where like you'd feel like the music beat should come into. Mm. But then the music beat hits right afterwards, and that happens again when Kenneth Branagh is is yelling at the the lead lady the leading yeah. lady cat uh, and telling her like you don't have the balls to shoot me and he like grabs the gun from her and it is super intense next time that you watch the movie I highly suggest you go back and look at that point in time because the syncopated rhythm and that it, it goes in between his words he's screaming at her in like Russian I think and like each time he pauses the music has a beat um, but it, it's not where like you feel like it should be and so like syncopated rhythm is all to like kind of keep you kind of like on your toes because like you're like something's mm-hmm. not right um and i think it's a beautiful use of that in this movie of where like when when something very intense is happening there's usually a syncopated rhythm in the background that's kind of like oh like you know like heads up like something something's going on here so and and speaking of music the the guy who did the music in this is the same guy christopher nolan actually broke from doing it with hans zimmer Zimmer, which i was uh kind of surprised by it's just who i assumed was going to have done the music but it was actually the guy who did the mandalorian so cool that dude is having that dude's having a heck of a tour. A really good <laughs> year. Yeah, he he's really killing it. Making his Coming stamp on the world. Um, and then I guess uh, kind of the, draw on what you got. Before we get too far away from the syncopation, uh, I, I think of that more as a feeling thing than a cue of mm-hmm. like, oh, something's not right here. Because I, as a person who has zero music talent at all and can couldn't tell you two notes from each other, like I, I don't often listen to soundtrack you know i have some people who listen to soundtracks as they go running they just love soundtracks i am not that way but i do recognize when a movie i love when a movie's soundtrack creates a feeling and that syncopation yeah. puts that offset on you like something's wrong something's not right mm-hmm. and it like churns like emotionally some anxiety up in you and i think that's a really good use of that the opposite yeah. of that uh, I was told was like a really uh, kind of a new modern thing for like soundtracks. They'll often like clip action scenes to beats of music. Yeah, that's why like hmm. Fast and Furious trailers or like the Deadpool trailers like just feel awesome because that you're getting like sword swings or cars yeah. jumping off, breaking explosions to the beats of songs. It's kind of yeah. the opposite of that syncopation, which I think is cool. So it's awesome that they use that to create yeah. emotion to build 
And I think it first hits you in Inception, and then it also happens again in Interstellar, and then it's all throughout the Batman trilogy. But like Christopher Nolan is one of the best in using his sound department um, to really like bring it home. Like that's really like he gets great use out of the camera work, out of the setting. He always gets the best out of his actors. But then I think really in Post is where Christopher Nolan shines because he's the music behind it is the score is always just like bringing it home. Like it's it's always like the exclamation point mm-hmm. um, and not an after afterthought so um and then i guess it's incredible there like the amount of exposition in this movie is incredible but you're never not interested because you're always trying to figure out what's going on so you're like you're like listening and it doesn't really matter like it's a heist they're gonna get the thing or they're not gonna get the thing you don't really need to know how it's going on and like an ocean's 11 won't show like the the big twist at the end but Christopher Nolan just will throw everything at you so fast that you can't keep up. And that's yeah. how he kind of hides the, and the, which I think is super cool that even yeah. like most movies that have this much ex- exposition are boring, but it's yeah. never not interesting because of how he films it, the soundtrack, the circle shot that you mentioned earlier, there's always stuff going on that is fun to watch. And these people are always moving forward. Yeah. Keeps you engaged always, as a viewer. Yeah, there's always action. It's never slows the pace to explain this concept. Because like we've said earlier, it doesn't matter. He doesn't want you to get what time travel is. He wants you to understand that there's time travel happening. I've put in a lot of work to make sure that this doesn't just, this isn't just stupid. So enjoy and come along for the ride. Well, and um, I guess maybe in terms of of wrapping this up a little bit, because I think we've been going for a while now. Um, I, when I think about Christopher Nolan movies, um, you think about uh, Memento is a story about accepting your truth and the relativity of truth. Uh, you think about Inception, uh, which is like the relativity of truth that kind of, again, uh, Interstellar is about love and the relativity of time. Like Batman Begins is about trauma Dark Knight is about chaos. Dark Knight Rises is about pain. Like you, like there's all these like kind of like one word things you can put um, in like Christopher Nolan movies. What's the point of this movie? Because I don't know what it is. Because I can't find a point to this movie makes me think this is just him auditioning for the next Bond film. But if you guys have an answer, I'm all for it. Mm. Now, I don't think Dunkirk really has a point either, but I think that was just him like as as a as a British man, like he probably wanted to tell a story of, you know, the British army losing. I'm pretty sure is what happens in Dunker, but they're like retreating. Yeah, they're retreating and it saved a lot of lives and didn't yeah. need to, you know, downplay that, but also I was I wanted say, to, like, listen, it's definitely not Pearl this. Harbor. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, we lost Pearl Harbor. <laughs> that was the point. That was the joke. So Dunkirk in this movie, also, the only two. Also Dunkirk is a much better movie than Pearl Harbor. <laughs> okay. All right. Ben Affleck, Cuba Gooding Jr. Come on. Definitely got more Tom Hardy. Then Harbor did. Yeah, Tom Hardy going. <laughs> okay, so wrapping this up again, I couldn't find <laughs> like a reason, like a th- as like one thematic element to this movie. And I normally can find them in Christopher Nolan movies. The Prestige is about uh, you're uh, not letting um, your ego get in the way of what really is important. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of his movies have the some sort of thing. It's clearly about. The following, I think, was him saying, I deserve to get more money to make a better movie, which he good, did with Memento, because uh, that one does not really have a theme either. And I actually, it's been so long since I've seen Insomnia uh, that I really couldn't tell you what Insomnia was about. Um, 
but like most of his movies have like a purpose for being made this one i, I don't i don't know why he made tenet and i and so that's why i come to my conclusion that this is just him being like i'm gonna make the most pretentious spy movie on the planet that's ever been made and uh, i'd like for someone to uh, give me a load a boatload a reverse boatload of money to yeah. make a bond film someday the reverse boatload boat uh, go ahead Drew. i think he just loves bond movies and he wanted to make his own bond movie and you, 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 I like your idea of him auditioning to be the next Bond director, but it may be that he just wanted to make a Bond movie. Just wanted to make and a spy movie. Yeah. Nolan wants to make a spy movie, who's going to tell him no? Who's not going to give him $200 million and give him an airplane? And you can be darn sure that time will be super messed up in his spy movie, which oh, it sure. was. Yeah, You'll see James well, Bond die thing. in the first scene and then figure <laughs> out what happened after, yeah. If, yeah. if he makes a Bond movie, would would they let him do it that way? Like I feel like uh, by making this not a Bond movie, he gets to make a Bond right. movie the way he wants to make it. Yeah, because I don't know if I, I would assume that for you know for British people, like getting to create a Bond movie is like like the like highest like thing you can do in film. I would imagine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's got to be up there, I would think, to make the greatest hero from England ever. You can make a movie about him. Like, I don't know. Well, I think that's the greatest American English hero. <laughs> like, does that make sense? Like, in America, we love James Bond. I don't actually know that people in England love James Bond. I, assume, I, I would guarantee that he is like I their Captain they America. Do, but I think like we really love James Bond here in America. I mean, I don't personally, but you can if you What's want to. You? I've told you, I've said this many times on the podcast. I think James Bond is stupid. I think you're stupid. Well, there we go. Um, I don't know. I I hold more to my he hates time than he like <laughs> loves making one word movies. Yeah, okay, uh, fair enough. But if this movie were to have a central theme, I think it might truly be survive. Um, cats trying to figure out how to survive with a husband like in a marriage she knows is mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to keep her son alive she mentions that a lot um, <laughs> um she's uh john david washington is trying to like he dies in the first five minutes in order mm-hmm. to presu- uh, preserve the truth yeah. and then is brought back to life and then is told you know to kind of keep the world alive so in his attempt to survive he died the the yeah he, he killed know. himself with the, the, the past capsule. the past is trying to survive the future uh neil uh robert pattinson's character gives himself up so that his friend can die or so he dies so that his friend can survive he doesn't know he's doing that though he does he sure does. He sure does. He goes no back in he, because he didn't he see the other guy die. coming out of the thing. He, y'all think he, y'all think Robert Pattinson knew he wasn't going to come out if he, he went in? Yeah, that's why in the last scene he, he, he goes to me. This is the end of a beautiful friendship, but to you, it's just beginning. Huh. He knows he's dead. Hmm. He, he, he goes, asked hey, the guy, "Do you was that me? Because I don't know a locksmith better than you." And so he has to go back in to die so that he can unlock the door. So I still don't think he knew he was dying. He knew. He because oh, like to Drew's point earlier of he saw only one person going back into the turnstile and he and another person were going. I didn't back. realize that was him. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. 
I guess I need to see it for a fifth time. We, I said this is the most straightforward of the Nolan movies, but now I have to see it for a fifth time to I catch to so whether or not times. the uh, what the second lead character knew he was going to his demise or not. That's he, tough. He knew. He walked into it. Interesting. So I, yeah, uh, if I were to sum this up in one word, I'd, I'd say survive. I don't know, man. I just, I do know that it is two and a half hours of a lot of fun God, and so your good. mind races a lot and you see a lot of really cool action scenes. You see a lot of beautifully... Uh, establishing shots a lot of beautiful establishing shots and then just a lot of beautifully shot like regular scenes where it's just like everything is really nice everything's really pretty in this movie mm. and and again we didn't really talk much about Kenneth Branagh but like the scene where Kenneth Branagh is trying to intimidate John David Washington and says I'm gonna slit your wrist and shove your balls up your throat and watch you choke I'm on it slit your like, throat, but not long ways yeah Vertically, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna shove your balls in them. Yeah. It's very gratifying to watch a man choke on his own balls. Like that is that's a that's probably the coolest threat I've seen on film. Yeah, <laughs> that is a tough great to bad guy scene. Really good bad guy threatening protagonist. And that it's so. not over the top. He's not yeah. like doing a ooh, like I'm gonna take over the world. He's like whispering it to him at a dinner yeah. in front of a lot of other lot people. Of other people yeah. And he's like, and we're done now. Like my friend's gonna take <laughs> and my friend will not take you to do this to, yeah. to die. So I think that like you get a really great villain, you get a really uh, interesting protagonist who I think John David Washington did a great job. I don't think I'd seen him in Black Klansman, and I think that's the only thing I'd ever seen him in before. You've um, never seen the HBO series? Uh, oh shoot, what's it called? The one with the Rock? Ballers. Ballers. No, I've never seen Ballers. I was gonna say Entourage. I knew that wasn't right. Yeah, you've no. never seen the H- the hit HBO series? No. Ballers. I sure have it. I, I do think this is another great Christopher Nolan film even if I can't figure out the point, and I think that he might've had ulterior motives to making this uh, film. I think it's a really beautifully shot film. It's got a great story that y- you can see four times and not understand all the way through. Um, so I think, you know, um, Tenet, definitely worth seeing. And after seeing it in a theater and in a living room, I can tell you, you definitely need to see it in a theater, <laughs> if humanly possible to see it in a, the- in a theater. Because uh, it's just a really, it's a totally different experience. And uh, I really hope that we don't get into streaming movies forever for the rest of our lives because that'll be tough. I agree. I think the I think that Tenet is one of those movies you just got to see in a theater because it brings a lot more to it. Drew Allen, you have any fin- final thoughts on Tenet? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I feel like to give a podcast to try to explain verbally what's going on in this movie will yeah. never do it justice. You have to go out and watch it because to try to explain, I, I appreciate that Christopher Nolan gives you that color coding system of red versus blue. You know, red, we're going forward, blue, we're going back in time. Mm. And I really love that he makes Robert Pattinson a blue guy who goes back in time to go forward in time, to go back in time. Like he jumps out, he incepts the color system with Robert Pattinson to go a, a level further to make it more difficult. I love that amount of complexity in my movies. And I don't think you get that from any other director than Christopher Nolan. Go out and watch the movie. Uh, Well, I did say this was just a pandering for Christopher Nolan to get a Bond movie. It's still one of the best spy movies I've seen. So, How does it rank against Captain America Winter Soldier? Nothing will ever beat Captain America Winter Soldier for me. I just wanted wanted to get the... Actually, I don't know, man. This is a really good movie. This is a really, really good movie. I I, really enjoyed it. I think he's on record for saying he loved... Bond movies growing up and wanted yeah. to create yep. it out of his memory. So yep. he's, well, he, I if like, he's not, he is now. <laughs> yeah, right. I like your idea that this is him to direct the next four Bond movies. I'm hoping like 10, 15, because then I'll actually watch them and be excited about them. Um, 
I will make you go see them. So while we were talking, I remembered my other favorite death in the movie. <laughs> quickly, uh, when they're in the temporal pincer movement and at the end, and uh, one person is inside of a broken out building and then the wall <laughs> yeah. inverts. That's what I thought you were talking about, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, it's the one part that my wife goes, yeah, I saw that coming. It's <laughs> the only part of the movie that I saw that coming. <laughs> like, um, it is super dead. Yeah. But it was pretty cool yeah. and like kind of a fun way to have someone die. Um, but overall, I'd say closing thoughts on the movie. If you haven't, wow, you shouldn't listen to this whole podcast. Dear yeah. <laughs> super, super ruined it for you. But also go see the movie. Go see it now. Uh, if you have the ability to watch it early, like in a day, take about three or four hours and do something else, but kind of think about it in the back of your head and then watch it again in the same day. And that might seem weird to some of you, but like, trust me, do it. And it is worth it because and the you second see so time many you watch. things. Yeah. You see so many things on the second time um, that you were bringing up questions about over the last few hours. Um, it's a movie that definitely warrants multiple watches and not all of them do like Wonder Woman 84, watch it one time and enjoy it and move on with your life. But Tenet, you should watch. I don't know. I'm probably going to watch it again as soon as we're done here. There you go. I'm going to go watch it in reverse. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining I, us. What if it's the same movie backwards? <laughs> what if, man? Oh my gosh, Christopher Nolan is a <laughs> he genius. Did he did it again. <laughs> he did it. There's, there's really no way to know unless we try. And there we go. Thank you guys for joining us and not the podcast you deserve as we do a review of Tenet, uh, which is maybe in theaters, probably not. Don't... It's called The Reverse Boat. That's the name of our podcast now. And someone <laughs> cue the music. There's the music. <laughs> the Blue Podcast. What about that? All right. All right. Thanks for uh, joining us. Not the podcast you deserve. Email us at ntpydpodcast at gmail.com or at Twitter at ntpydpodcast. See you next time.